Transcending the Veil. Today, we're not going to talk about shamanic work, but this is the word where we start again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what is... Uh, the like, way you introduce yourself, which <laughs> I find interesting, is you say you are a shaman, but then you're not. Yeah. And it, yeah, I guess I'm trying to kind of move away from that because I um, I'm aware that um, the word has certain cultural connotations. Like I think that um, the actual word is exclusive to Siberia, and um, that I'm not a shaman. I haven't been trained in shamanism, but what I do is shamanic in feel. Yeah because I help people journey into the underworld to find lost parts of themselves and return that to them to become more whole. Right. But I don't do it with drumming or music or any of the traditional shamanic ways of doing that. I just do it by holding space for the person and expanding my own consciousness into the underworld so that my consciousness becomes a bridge. So you already use the word underworld. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how, how, how would you, if you say you want to move away from using that word, I'm not a shaman. Is it energy healing? Do you want to fall under that umbrella? Because I feel like every word has a certain framework that we have a perception of. Yeah, well, and they're all wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the sense of like me trying to describe what it is that I do. But yeah, when I describe myself to people, I often say that I do, I'm a spiritual healer, guide and channel. That's one of the ways that I describe it, that I do energy healing work with people, um, but that it's rooted in my background in counseling. So I'm holding space for someone. I'm listening deeply to what they have to say. We're having a conversation, but at the same time, I'm holding open an energetic space and allowing my body to perform energy healing in the background. I think the first three words that you said, they sum it up already. I think you've got it already. Healer, guide and channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. That really describes it. Because I, I wouldn't know how to describe you otherwise. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it feels good like to tell people that, you yeah. know, to I'm doing it more and more like when I'm starting conversations with people and they ask what I do, I just say what I do. In the past, I would hold back or like try and frame it in a slightly different way that was more palatable for people. Now I'm just really going into it, which uh, it's making my whole life a lot easier. I'm forming connections with people more easily. Yeah. Do you feel people understand it? Cause, uh, Some of them. <laughs> Some of them, <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like that there are certain words established in our culture that some people have a certain understanding of, yet it is understood differently in different cultures. Mm. Um, so I find words very tricky when we talk about these topics. Yeah. And I've met people from different cultures and it's been a lot easier to talk to them because... Um, like, for example, from Indian or um, Mexican cultures, um, because the channeling part especially is so normal in those cultures. 
and that's I think the strangest part for more kind of Western European uh, types of people like to believe in deities and supernatural beings is a stretch for a lot of people and then to say oh actually I allow myself to be temporarily possessed by those beings in order to perform therapeutic healing sessions on people that's a stretch for most kind of western european people but really not for um people from other cultures Mm. and i I feel like the words are limited as well because uh, i see it always like when you approach the word spirituality it is a vast spectrum of what you find under that word and now you mentioned the word channeling and for me that also is a vast spectrum right you you can channel energies through your own voice Mm -hmm. or you can go in sort of a hypnotic state where you're not fully aware what is happening and and another entity is taking over you and use your body as a so-called voice box to you know that those are the famous channeling people that you know change their voice when they channel a different entity from i don't know a non-physical realm or even a physical realm Mm. um but then there is this yeah huge spectrum from one end and then you can also have you know passive channeling you can have active channeling where where you can interact or have dialogue with that other entity which is obviously fascinating and kind of I think probably what most people think of, but then you can just channel energies. So I feel like we're using one word for so many different things. Yeah. And that is kind of the problem is, you know, if one person comes from a certain background, they expect certain things when this word is used, That's which so may not be true, right? It's really interesting for me to hear that because I tend to shy away from any Uh, spiritual teachers or anything like that so I'm not very familiar with all the different ways that somebody could channel like I've only seen a tiny you know amount of time of people channeling and I think part of that is because I could have been influenced by other people's way of doing things and then molded myself to their way without even realizing that I was doing it And I think that the beings that I work with have intentionally kept me away from things to the point where I I got a book about the Morrigan, who's one of the deities that I channel, and she told me to stop reading it because she didn't want my opinion of her to be altered by the view of a few people thousands of years ago. Oh, that's very interesting because that is an information I stumbled upon recently is where people stop reading about these concepts because then they get influenced by those concepts and are not fully and that for me comes down to trust right really trusting in yourself what information you you've been given right Mm -hmm. because you immediately think about or compare it to other concepts that you have read about so i have a great example of that like from one of my early experiences in connecting with the deity i'm not sure if i've told you this before but um uh, so I, I had just started opening up and connecting with beings and uh, I went to a, for a meal with a friend of mine and we went to an Indian restaurant and there were pictures of deities all over the walls and there was one in particular that was on the walls 
And my friend was like, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, it's this woman who's got many arms and weapons in each of her hands and holding a severed head and all this stuff and her tongue's out. I'm like, she looks amazing. Like, <laughs> this is my kind of goddess. And then uh, she was like, that's Kali, my goddess of death and transcendence and stuff. And I was like, she's badass. Like, I want to know her. And then I kind of opened up my receivers to sort of send a message out to her, kind of ring her phone. And she answered. And um, at first, the voice that came through was like very, very intense and like almost like screaming and manic and really wild. And I was like, this is intense. But then this like, almost like a further away, deeper, truer voice spoke into my mind. And it said, no, no, no. Mother Kali. Mother Kali. And it was her penetrating through my preconceptions from what I had seen in these images and what I had heard from my friend. It was the true voice of Kali making sure that I was aware of who and what she was because I was misunderstanding her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really possible um, because we have so many collective ideas about who and what these beings are um, that that can distort the truth. Just like if you had heard a lot of stories about a celebrity, you might think that you know who that celebrity is, but if you met them, you might actually meet someone quite different. Yeah. Um, maybe parts of it would be true, but other parts, no. And for me, it's when I've been forming these connections with these beings, what they've really appreciated is that I'm willing to meet them as they are rather than um, a preconceived no notion from culture. Yeah. Or the, yeah, all the pictures painted of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there are already now a few topics I'd like to go into. First of all, obviously, you mentioned deities already, um, and you mentioned sort of yeah, there are those famous spiritual people that you don't really have followed yet. It all started for you by listening to something, right? And then. Yeah, I didn't have any background in spirituality. I was an uh, atheist and um, had studied medicine and then completed a psychology degree. I was working in psychological research. Um, I'd never meditated, didn't have a background uh, in spirituality. actually didn't know what spirituality was. Um, and I remember a friend of mine was like, oh, you, you should check out uh, Eckhart Tolle. And I was like who is he and she was like he's a spiritual teacher and I had to google like what spirituality was <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, to get some sense of it and I didn't quite understand but it said something about philosophy and I was like oh well, that's interesting and I was in this mode where I was willing to explore new ideas so I was like okay I'll watch one of his videos and put one on YouTube and the moment I started looking at him Uh, I was having mystical experiences like it was like everything receded except for his image my mind went completely quiet and he was glowing like with this soft golden white light and I was just looking at him completely 
absorbed in him. And um, I didn't know what he was saying. Like, I can't remember the words, but I just remember that sense of absorption. And it, like, it didn't even seem like that big of a deal somehow. Like, it, it was like, that's strange. <laughs> like, why is this guy glowing? I've never seen that before. <laughs> I wasn't on drugs or anything. Like, I, you know, I was taking drugs at the time, but I wasn't on, I wasn't literally on drugs at this moment. Anyway, one of his videos, I was intrigued, obviously. You're going to be intrigued when something like that happens. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, I wanted to see some more of his videos and I went on his website and one of his videos had the title How to Stop Thinking. And I didn't watch the video, but I was like, is thinking a bad thing? Like, should I try to stop thinking? Mm -hmm. um, what would happen if I tried to stop thinking? So I was like, oh, well, you'd probably want to meditate to do that. I don't know how to meditate, but I've seen it in movies, so I'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sat on my bed and I was like moving my hands back and forward in time with my breath and like felt myself kind of calm down and then I turned my attention to my thoughts. I'm just watching them and I noticed that as I'm watching them, they slow down and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just keep watching them. And then they completely stopped. And it was like, oh my God, this is completely new. <laughs> I've never been in this state before. It's just totally clear and pristine. I'm in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt really um, sensitive or like gentle, mm -hmm. like, I had my eyes closed, but I didn't want to open them because it was like, no, this, I really, I was just so focused, relaxed and focused. And eventually I did open my eyes and I was like looking around my room and I could feel this presence inside everything, like just peace and everything just kind of softly glowing in the same way that Eckhart had been. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just slowly do things like I remember touching my hands together and being like I, there weren't words going through my mind but just feeling how amazing that felt and hearing a bird singing outside and just being like in awe of it and I was like that for about 20 or 30 minutes and then there was this bang outside like someone closed the door really loud and it snapped me out of it yeah and then I thought, and I think the first thought I had was like, this is going to change my life. Like, this is what I've been looking for all these years and I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Like, how can this be a thing? And I've gone through school and higher education and literally no one has ever told me about this. Yeah. Like, shouldn't that be like in the f first lesson? <laughs> <laughs> pretty wild that was like the most important thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah it's interesting this knowing when it happens because for me i i did not have had such an experience yet and it, it feels like bits sort of sort of glimpse into that direction yeah sort of when i did free diving i had this like being 10 meters underwater and there was nothing 
It's like just me, absolutely centered, no thoughts. And that was peace for me. Yeah. And I've never managed that through meditation, which I find interesting that you, how you described your experience. And I was always looking for these types of information and followed it, but yeah, it's so tricky to, to teach it, right? Because it is your own experience and everyone's experience is so different. I just assumed that it was that video that did it. So mm. I, I, first of all, I realized like, I can't tell anybody about this because no one's going to believe, believe me. Yeah. Like, they'll just think I've gone crazy. So I kept it to myself, um, but then I got drunk with my housemate, like maybe a week later. And I was like, I need to tell you something. <laughs> and I showed him this video and I was so excited because I like I'm watching the video and I go back into that state and I'm like, oh, wow, like this is amazing. And, that, you know, he's like my best friend. I get to share this with him. So the video ends and I'm like looking at him excited. And um, he was just like, oh, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah it shows you you know that everyone's journey is different is you can't that's, yeah. that's also kind of when you you read all of these books about spiritual journeys it's like yeah this is their journey it is not my journey yeah and i think the tricky part is to realize what is your journey and then to go that 100 percent. yeah i yeah. so agree with you and it's so unique that and there's so many different forms of spirituality out there in different directions that people can take. Um, and I think there's a lot of confusion that comes about because people assume that there's one way. Yeah. You need to do this, this and that. And if you don't do it, then you're not spiritual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and I felt that for a really long time, like, and, um, you know, we're just like kind of follow Eckhart's stuff because that's what had worked for me and then I saw Buddhism as a kind of almost like an extension of that and then was exploring that for a little while um, but have I've gone on such a journey through different states of consciousness um, and most of it has been outside of any kind of um, formal teaching and mm -hmm. um, it's being a natural progression um, and even like not fully realizing what was happening while it was happening but um, in summary ha uh, experiencing like an awakening upwards um, kind of into the heavens if you like and then that awareness then descending down uh, through my body to integrate itself into my humanity, including um, casting a light on many parts of myself that I didn't actually want to look at and was dragged kicking and screaming through a kind of purification process, which was quite unpleasant. It always um, is. But the light afterwards <laughs> is very pleasant. Yeah, and then in hindsight, it's like, okay, thank you all of you beings who helped me through yeah. this process. And, you know, there was love there the whole time. Yeah. Um, but w one of the things that's 
maybe a little unusual about my experience and the way that my awakening has gone is that it's descended down into the earth. Um, and this is where it becomes shamanic in my mind um, and links into the underworld. Um, because if you imagine yourself as a tree or a seed that could become a tree, you need to reach up and out and allow your branches to stretch out of the soil and into the air and meet the sunlight. But you also need your roots to grow down deep so that you have a network of support beneath you. So that's the area that the underworld starts kicking in. Um, and what it is, is the subconscious. It's our own subconscious um, that is filled with the memories of everything that we've experienced before in this life and in other lives and also collectively. Um, and it's filled with all the stuff that we weren't able to process at the time. You know, so it's clogged really with these unprocessed experiences. And as we shine the light of our consciousness into those places by, to some extent, reliving those experiences, but it doesn't have to be quite so dramatic or intense as that, just having awareness on them, they release and then our roots become strong. And um, the way that I see it, there's like a layer of permafrost within the human psyche. And our roots try to descend to, through that permafrost, but because it's so cold and hard, they can't penetrate it. And, you know, this permafrost is our collective traumas. Um, but if our roots become strong enough, they can penetrate through that layer. And what I've experienced through that is a reunification of my consciousness with the spirit of our living world. Um, so on one level, I know myself as our world. I am the world. I am the cosmos. Um, and through that, the knowledge of myself as the world and the cosmos can flow into and through my humanity. It feels like what you just described is that sort of layer of permafrost is what you can penetrate when you're using plant medicine. Ah, that's interesting. I haven't used plant medicine, so I wouldn't know, except for a little bit of mushrooms and things. Yeah, no, it's just a thought that just appeared because you have this, this when you're on like ayahuasca, then you have this sense of oneness with everything, and ah. and it feels like these traumas they just don't exist anymore, and uh -huh. you know there's this unified very human love for, for any other human being or plants or everything essentially so yeah that, that is the only analogy i can take because that is my my way or how i got in contact with it i remember seeing a, uh, this documentary this guy called uh, i think his name's bruce parry and this english guy who would go to different tribal communities around the world and um he had this really lovely energy about him where he would be very sincere and dedicated to contributing to their community and really immersing himself in it. And in one of those, he went through an ayahuasca ceremony 
and there's a tribe in the Amazon. And I remember him, it, this just like beautiful look in his eyes, like after he'd been through all the purging and everything. And he was looking at the forest and he was just like, I can hear and feel the spirits of the forest. Mm. So I, I can't, that, that, because that's really my only ex direct experience of ayahuasca, like kind of seeing him on it, I mm. can see the link between what you're saying and what I'm experiencing with this unification. Yeah. It feels like it's there for people that don't have that natural way of going that direction. Yeah. Like sort of going with the roots really deep. Yeah. Which some people have. But it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a side topic probably, but you know, that there are, I think it makes it accessible for people. Yeah, I find it interesting that there was a story, I believe it was in the Amazon rainforest somewhere, where there was a plane crash and, you know, people were lost and they couldn't find it. Or like children couldn't be found. And the military searched for them, were looking for them like for days and they couldn't do it. They couldn't find anything. And those um, tribal people said, well, let us help you. And then after a few days, they approached and said, yeah, could you please help us? Because <laughs> we can't find them. Uh -huh. And then the shaman, he said, right, I, I do need to take ayahuasca for this. And then he described after that journey, described, right, have a look at this specific tree. I know where the tree is. Have a look there. And then within you know a short time, they found them. And that is interesting because it shows like, yeah, you there is a place for ayahuasca for either for some people to have this experience, but even shamans sometimes use that to go even deeper sometimes. Mm. Um, to help yeah. them to connect. Yeah. Anyway, but it's probably not necessary if you have other, <laughs> other approaches. I mean, there's so many, um, like through going through these experiences, like I have a huge admiration for indigenous people because I feel that they've been living for a long time in this state of consciousness that I'm just starting I've, to yeah, explore. I've only had a yeah. few years in. And like for many of those communities, they have an unbroken line going back tens of thousands of years of people just in that place. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of respect for those communities. And um, there's these people, um, in Colombia called the mamas who uh, use different substances so they um, like have an incredibly strong form of tobacco and um, that's a paste that they will <coughs> put into their gums um, it's so strong like it, there's a story of um, of someone going to visit their community and taking like a tiny bit of this substance and being uh, you know basically in a coma for a week you know <laughs> like super strong <laughs> um, but these people take it all the time they're very used to it um, but they have amazing things that they'll do like um, every morning like the the spiritual members of the community will gather to watch the sunrise and they'll absorb the knowledge of the sun and ask questions about what their community needs to do to the sun and then receive the answers. And my interpretation is that they so deeply understand their interconnectedness with all of this, that they are the sun, that they are 
as a human, they're just asking for their own advice from the sun through the energy of the sun. And then they receive all of that knowledge that they need. And they're capable of doing incredible things like um, this whole area had basically been turned into a desert because of these mining operations or something like that. And um, the government couldn't do anything to restore it. And they just said it was just like it was basically like it was trash, this whole area. And the, um, the mamas were like, we can restore it to full health. Yeah. And they were like, you can't, but okay, <laughs> you can try. And then like 10 or 15 years later, it was this lush jungle with beautiful rivers flowing through it and everything. You know, that level of knowledge is just, um, I think it's beyond the Western mind. Yeah, that, yeah, our mind is certainly a limit in many things. That's always the message that I get when, you know, the simple things like manifestation and so on. Um, you, you peek into that and when you start having these experience of synchronicities in your life, you know, or you suddenly have the experience of, oh, there is a person that can touch you that is like miles away, <laughs> but you can physically feel that touch. Yeah. And you can ask, did you touch me there? And they <laughs> confirm it. And then you, you know, you get these bits and pieces of information. No, there is is more happening than, than we were led to believe when we grew up. For sure. But yeah. you need to have these experiences because yeah. otherwise it is just a fantastic story. And it's and it's step by step in having those experiences as well because, yeah. you know, um, speaking for myself, I went from having a very, very Western European worldview. Um, science is like the only way to understand the world this is all like yeah. material you know that's how i grew up yeah <laughs> yeah and to go from that to having out-of-body experiences where i was meeting angels was a massive change um and and required like a huge modification of the way that energy flowed through my mind and my body you know it a complete reorientation of my life, basically. Um, which I'm very grateful to have received because now I live in this beautiful, wonderful place um, where all of these beings are real and I'm supported by them actively and they work through me and with me all the time. Um, but it wasn't like that for most of my life. Um, so can you, can you call them when you need them for your sort of, let's say you're having a shit day, right? Yeah. Is that really hard works for you? Yeah, the lines are always open. So any of them, if I just wordlessly kind of say their name almost or kind of, it's yeah. almost like I've got their phone number and I just phone it yeah. and they answer like almost so you instantly. have a standing connection. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. It never goes, it ha, you know, it's been like that for maybe 10 years or something, close to 10 years. Um, and it's never changed. But like if I want to talk to Carly, she's been there every single time. It's never been, oh, I can't get through to her today. And it's like that with all of them. But going then a bit further, can they be intruding your life as well? I wouldn't let them. 
<laughs> they, the, um, the, uh, I'm just trying to think if there's ever been a time where I've felt intruded upon by them. They're very respectful. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, to the point where I can have really intimate relationships with them, like romantic relationships with them, like where we're sharing sexual energy, you know, uh, with the Morrigan, especially that's how it's been. Um, can, can, can we clarify that word? Because I think sex is a very well, distinct word in our culture. Is it, can, can you, would you also go as far in saying is this, it is the life force energy that you share? Yeah. Like, so she approached me and basically said that she wanted to have a romantic relationship with me. And, um, to exchange, you, putting it in like a kind of scientific way, it would be like to exchange um, life force in a kind of sensual, sexual way, like tantric yeah. energy. Okay. Um, and that she's doing it in one way so that knowledge can be shared between dimensions. Right. Yeah. So she's sharing herself with me which means that her knowledge becomes embodied in my form. So I, I know the knowledge of her dimension and can share that with people. Um, so, th you know, that's part of it. But then there's a very, like, um, human part of it as well, where it's like, there's a, we love each other, you know? And there's like, a huge amount of trust um, between us. Um, which has been built up over years. Um, and it, that's difficult to do with a deity like the Morrigan because she, like, if you know about her, like she's a deity of death, sex and magic. And uh, she's very connected to crows and wolves. She's a dark feminine warrior goddess, um, which is all just badass and amazing, right? Like who wouldn't want to be in a relationship with a woman like that? I would. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm happy. Um, but these, she's also a deity of the underworld. And these, like, as I see her, she's an enlightened being of the underworld. So she is serving the totality of consciousness, but she's doing it from this place of darkness and death. She's a, she's a light in that place. So her form looks like she's from that place you know like a raven's head with these like claw-like hands and feathers and like half human half raven you know looks like a monster yeah and she approaches me in that form and i feel love i would be terrified right most people would yeah. be right they think that this is some sort of evil demonic yeah. being but if you've already formed a connection and you know them on the level of their energy and you and they've proven to you time and time again that they are trustworthy they've never done anything to hurt you and every time they connect with you good things happen mm -hmm. and like they share wisdom with you and love with you and they're there to support you through the difficult times that happens over and over and over and over and over again and it's like i just trust and love this being i don't care what she looks like you know, I love that form because it's her. Mm. And that's how it feels for me. I mean, she can take on any form, like, and she plays with that. Um, but as her raven form, 
like I've had experiences where she would like um, bite into my wrist and uh, like draw blood out and stuff and then connect it to her wrist and say your blood is my blood my blood is your blood and it there's like this energetic movement which is feels sexual and pleasurable and it's just like us connecting um, and through that deities are able to give their knowledge to human beings Fuck. rock and roll right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you, you mentioned that a few times, you know, di deities and how do you, you know, it started all with you when you had your own experience, yet you have connections now with those entities, I would refer to them as entities, um, if that's okay, or is that... A well, there's word? a whole interesting topic to open up there, which is like, well, what are they actually in relation to us, which... yeah. I would like to go into actually just before before we go into the point that you were going to bring up and it's something that has changed over time in my relationship with all of them but the Morrigan's a great example because we're so close like perceiving her originally as a separate being and being like wow this is incredible that I'm connected to this deity mm. this is great and over time her helping me to understand directly that she is me and that I am her she's me as a deity and I'm her as a human and that that not being something conceptual like it's like she'll speak to me and my sense of self is within her voice so it's or it's like looking into a mirror you know when you look in a mirror you you're seeing something that looks external but you know it's you and the you just know there's no you don't have to think about it it's the same yeah so she'll connect with me and i'll hear her voice and like when my consciousness shifts and i understand she'll be like happy and she'll be like you can see it you can see it we're all one yeah that, that was just something clicked for me because <laughs> You always have this concept of everything that you perceive as you, right? You are the producer and writer and director of your own life. And the person behind the door doesn't exist until you open it, which is, you know, we get this from channelings and, and other information. So tricky to wrap your mind around it when you approach it from an analytical point. But this explanation it makes so much sense because... In other words, when I rephrase it, I would also mean is like all of those entities are you, but your consciousness is sort of broadening into this aspect yes, of you, which, exactly. which you have been closed off from before. And now you're broadening your consciousness in, you know, accepting that in your field of consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. And like, so we are seeds of the universe we are the entire cosmos that has put itself into a seed and we think that all that we are is what is within that seed but then the seed starts to open and all of these other things are around us and we start to understand that we are them as well yeah. 
So you could view the whole cosmos as a single psyche, which contains all of these archetypal energies of the psyche that are living beings, just like we are, and that we are archetypal energies of the psyche too. Yeah. And we are this one psyche interacting with itself multidimensionally. Yeah. Which scrambles your mind a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, there, there, there's so many places where this concept is described. And you, you think you understood it, but then you think, oh, fuck no. And then you, your mind is going all over the place. And it's so tricky to, to wrap your mind around this concept. Yeah. So, and it... And if you find yourself sort of tightening around the concept, just let it go. Yeah. Like, because you already are this and all the knowledge of it and the cosmos is your knowledge. And eventually it will come to you when the time is right. Like letting go and just trusting in the process and trusting in life because life is who and what you are that makes things a lot easier um, and allows the fruit of your humanity to um, reach maturity faster than if you're trying too hard to understand. Yeah. Um, going back to, or well, let's still refer them to them as entities or your broadened consciousness. Mm how do you interact with them how do you perceive them is it you know is it kind of like people that have a voice external to their ear or a voice in their head or do you see them visually or in your third eye or even like in in the real world how, how is that interface for you yeah yeah that's a really good question so i the I have my own unique way of experiencing all of this and everybody does. They've yeah. all got their ways. And yeah, as you yeah. say, you gave examples of different ways that that can show up for people. For me, it's like it's in my third eye. It's like my mind's eye. Yeah. So I might see them and it's like, it's a bit like a waking dream. Like I can see them and interact with them in that way, but it's like hazy. Mm. It's not the same as I'm seeing you. Yeah. Um, but I've got a friend who it is like that. And it, that's pretty confusing and overwhelming for her sometimes because like, she doesn't know if a being in the room is, if it looks like a human, she's not actually sure if it's a human in the room or yeah. a, a being. Um, so I guess there's sort of like pros and cons with all of these different things. But um, the, that's how it shows up for me. I don't hear... Like, I hear the voice in my mind. Um, if I want to, um, most of the exchange in communication isn't verbal. Um, it's on the level of, like, emotion or energy. So we can have a conversation almost like in knowing. Yeah, uh, yeah. so you, you just know, right? Yeah, which is unexplainable, but yeah yeah and that there's a flow to it so it's it might be something like i'm feeling really down today like me saying that but it's just like an almost an energetic impulse mm -hmm. to the morrigan let's say yeah and then there'll be an impulse back that says everything is completely okay everything's moving as it should be moving do you remember your life five years ago what was it like 
you know, you can see that things have improved, can't you? But that took half a second. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll just be like, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, everything's fine. Thank you. You know, and that whole exchange is like maybe a second or two. Do you also, is it possible for you to get information that you didn't know before through those exchanges? Rarely. Yeah. Like that's not really how it shows up for me. And oh, okay. that's an interesting point because sometimes people will even frame my work as like a reading, like I'll have a dragon reading with Jack yeah, yeah. and I'm like, ah, I don't really do readings. Like yeah. I see that as divination, you know, and some people they'll have experiences like I'm describing mm. and it leads to divination and they will do loads of readings and they're like super accurate and, and all of that stuff. And it's all about kind of reading the future and, and that, but that just isn't how I'm wired. Like I'm, I'm here to bring awareness to who that person is in front of me, like to shine a light on what is hidden inside of them so that it can be opened, cleansed, and they can step into the fullness of who they are. Um, and the beings, if I'm channeling them so that they're temporarily making use of my body, don't really like the word possession, it doesn't feel right, but you know, in a way it's, that's what's happening. Well, you, you, you open your consciousness up to that aspect of yourself, right? Yeah, it, yeah. that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, because it is, it's an aspect of me that is coming forward yeah yet this aspect that you access is also universally described as you know the the what you say are dragons right yeah which yeah, is yeah. we describe an entity or it is an energy form that still exists for us in stories and so on yeah. it was manifested in physicality probably way back yeah And it, like my understanding of the dragons is that they are like, if the cosmos is one body, then the dragons are arteries that bring the life force of the cosmos to the cells of the cosmos. So the life force would be the Kundalini and they bring that living energy to the cells of the body, which would include us as human beings. And they come from a real material place, right? From a physical earthy place rather than from above. I see them as cosmic. And so the dragons I work with are called the dragons of the rising rose. And they, there are 10 of them and they are connected to the different chakras of the of the body you could say the human body but you could also say of the cosmic body or the earth yeah which body. is in the end then the fractal again yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so generally they describe themselves as cosmic rather than earthly right but it's nuanced and I don't fully understand it and um, I'm learning more about it over time but it, I think it's quite difficult for our linear mind to understand really exactly what they are yeah okay how how do you bring the aspect of you know being more connected downwards rather than upwards into into that spectrum when you say dragons are cosmic how is that other energy in you 
Can you rephrase the question? Yeah, sure, I'll try. Because we were talking not like now, but like days before. You know, be you can either be connected very upwards, opening mm -hmm. up upwards. Yeah. But you also need to be very rooted, right? You, otherwise, you just float away. Mm -hmm. So to to keep that connection downwards, and that is mainly the energy that you're working with, as I understand. It is, though the dragons themselves cross the whole range of that. Yeah. So a great example is the white and black dragon. So the white dragon is is almost like a like a superior chakra that is purely above, and that connects directly to the heavens. Mm. So she has this beautiful, pristine peace quality about her. Like she's just like a clear sky. Um, she jokes sometimes. She's like, if Eckhart Tolle were a dragon, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> human, human. Uh, yeah. All right. Whereas the black dragon is below, and he has a very different energy. Um, yet they are part of the same whole. Um. And so he is from that like underworld down rooted energy, though actually I was channeling, channeling him yesterday and somebody asked where, um, where is he located in physical space? And his answer was a little bit cryptic in that he was like, this isn't kind of entirely accurate, but the closest answer that he could give was, the point right at the center of the earth like not a big space like the smallest possible space like the center point so the description shouldn't be physical in that sense but at the point of where the earth is at center but not physically but kind of because physically. yeah physically you can't describe a point right because then it is nothing Yeah, it's like the nothingness right at the center. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, which he would also call like the womb, the womb of the goddess. Yeah. Um, and he's saying, okay, it's the center, right, the point right at the center of the earth. But he would also say that that's exactly the same as the point right at the center of the cosmos. So he couldn't be described as being limited to the earth. Like, see, it gets really complicated and our minds don't, understand this very well and he's also like trans-dimensional so he'll say like i exist at all all times and spaces mm -hmm. yeah and i influence all time and space like with my actions and like i'm orchestrating all of these different changes like unlimited by time and space it's very difficult for our minds to grasp what that's like he's a badass <laughs> that's all i know <laughs> do, do you think um, we can work with them? 